You're listening to Motherhood Unstressed, the podcast that talks all about the realities of being a mom in today's world, but also gives you practical takeaways for making the ride as fun and stress-free as possible. The way we live life is an art. I'm here to remind you of the power you already have to create a truly beautiful life. Guys, in this episode, I'm speaking with certified pediatric sleep coach Maggie Moore. She helps parents of infants, toddlers, even preschoolers get more sleep. Um, She had a child that was a really terrible sleeper, and that prompted her to seek help from a sleep coach. And from there, her life was changed, and she took her experience and her hardship with that, and now that's her career, and she's helping other parents you know, get their children to sleep and and to stay asleep. Um, and so she's really transforming lives. And the things that she shares in this interview are incredibly helpful. And one of the biggest takeaways that I got from this interview was how important it is to eliminate the judgment that we feel towards other parents who are maybe doing things a different way. Um, I think it's a natural tendency to do that. And I love that we dive into that topic as well. Uh, just because your child doesn't sleep does not mean that you're a failure as a parent. Um, So I think you're definitely going to enjoy this interview. Whether your child is a great sleeper or a horrible sleeper, you're going to learn something and get value out of it. This episode is sponsored by Organifi. Organifi offers completely non-GMO organic superfood blends that makes incorporating really good nutrition into your diet insanely easy. You literally do not have an excuse not to get your fruits and veggies anymore because they've done all the work for you. And if you use the code UNSTRESSED, you will receive 15% off your purchase at OrganifiShop.com. This episode is also sponsored by Sunday Scaries. These are the CBD gummies that are amazing for stress, anxiety. If you just want to feel a little more energized or regain your focus without all of that background chatter in your mind that's not serving you, use the code UNSTRESS for 10% off your purchase at 4sundayscaries.com. Lastly, this episode is sponsored by Four Sigmatic. If this is a company you haven't heard of, believe me, in the next year or two, you will. They are doing amazing things in the world of medicinal mushrooms. Uh, Right now, I'm kind of obsessed with their hot cacao with reishi, which is something I'll drink before bed every night. And it's just so relaxing, so calming, and so good for you. So it's kind of a no-brainer. Also, if you love coffee, but you hate the way it makes you feel, like jittery, stressed, just not well, then they have a ton of uh, mushroom blends for coffee. Uh, They also have a really good matcha. So go to foursigmatic.com and use the code unstressed to save 15% off. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I am here with a very special guest. Her name is Maggie Moore and she is a certified pediatric sleep coach and she helps parents of infants, toddlers, and preschoolers get more sleep. And if you are a mom, which you most likely are if you're listening to this show, which you may not be, Um, we all know how important sleep is and how crucial it is to be able to function, you know, as a mom, as a wife, as an employee, as an entrepreneur, whatever it is that you do, if you're not getting sleep, everything is affected. So I'm so glad that you're here, Maggie, and I can't wait to learn more about how we can all get more and better sleep. I'm so excited to be here with you and just to chat with you guys. Obviously, this is something that I'm very passionate about and, um, I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah. So just to give us kind of um, a little bit of context, you know, why don't you get started by telling us a little bit about your background and how you ended up being a sleep training coach? Yeah. So it's kind of a windy road to get to this point because growing up, I didn't ever really think I would be a sleep coach. And you tell people that you're a sleep coach and they're like, you're what? Are you help people sleep that like have kids that they don't even live near you? Like, how does that work? (laughs) 
So uh, I live in Southern Indiana. I've lived in Indiana my whole life. I went to school in Bloomington at IU, uh, Indiana University, and I was a journalism major. And um, I lived in Bloomington after I graduated. I had a brief stint in Chicago, and then I moved back here. Uh, met my husband in 2008. We got married in 2011 and um, decided we wanted to start a family. So we tried for two years to get pregnant. So anybody who has struggled with infertility knows that that can be very challenging. And you go outside and you see all these people that have kids and you want kids and you don't understand why it's not happening for you. And it can, it can become this thing that you become obsessed with. Um, and I would definitely say that there were periods of time that I was obsessed with, like having a kid, wanting a kid, what's wrong with me. You feel like this is the one thing you should be able to do as a woman and you can't do it. And I was in a situation where an infertility looks different to, you know, everybody, but I never got pregnant. So it's not that I ever Mm -hmm. was pregnant and had a miscarriage. Like I just never got pregnant. And so um, I finally had a procedure done that was called HSG. It has a very big, long name. Um, But basically, they shoot contrast dye up into your fallopian tubes to see if they're blocked. And mine were not, but they were, let's say, a little congested. So it acted as kind of like Drano for my fallopian tubes. So I had that procedure done on October 20th and got found out I was pregnant on November the 5th. So, of course, it's my first time being pregnant. I'm elated. It's taken me two years to get to this point. I had a very easy pregnancy. Um, My son was born in July of 2015. And earlier that year, I had uh, my husband had a family friend who had a little boy who had passed away from SIDS. Mm. So I was very nervous and stressed out about having a kid and having sleep to begin with because... I knew somebody who had had an infant that had passed away. Um, And I remember the first night we were home from the hospital, the first night we got home, um, my mom was there and I was in my son's nursery rocking him and I was crying. And she said, why are you crying? And I'm like, I don't want him to go to sleep. I was so nervous about him going to sleep because what was going to happen? And then my husband and I were up all night with him and we looked across the uh, bassinet at each other and said to like, we looked at each other and said like, what was so wrong with our life that we wanted to do this? Like, because <laughs> we had been up with him since like, you know, for till three o'clock in the morning, we weren't wow. sleeping in shifts. We weren't doing any of those things. So it went from a place of like really struggling to get pregnant. Then I got pregnant, had an easy pregnancy. And then I had anxiety about him sleeping and then he wouldn't sleep. So that went on for about four months of him not Mm. sleeping. My husband went to California for a uh, work trip and my son slept for 45 minutes the whole time he was gone for three days. That was it. And I am in all things in my life, a achiever. I am a hard worker. And this was again, like me getting pregnant, this one thing Mm. that no matter how hard I worked, I couldn't find an answer. I would look on the internet and on these message boards and ask my friends and post on Facebook and everybody had advice, but I was in such a dark place of not getting able to sleep and not knowing where to start 
that like none of it seemed attainable to me. So here I was in the situation where I had this infant, but he, it wasn't what I wanted it to be. And then I felt bad mm-hmm. that, that I hadn't been able to get pregnant and here I had wanted to get pregnant and now I have this baby and I'm not grateful for the baby that I have because he just won't sleep. And so- I think that's a really common situation, you know, especially with women who have struggled with getting pregnant and then it's there. And for everyone that has the baby, it's such a culture shock, you know, and you're just thrown basically into a whirlwind of, of completely new shit. And so it's like, you know, you have that, that depression and that drop in hormones. So I think what you went through maybe was magnified because you weren't getting any sleep, but yeah, that's completely normal. And I completely resonate with that. And no one tells you that that's a normal way to feel. So then you feel shame for feeling that way and you feel ungrateful for feeling that way. So it ended up that we had a family friend that recommended a sleep consultant with us uh, to us. And I hired her when my son was 13 weeks, but she didn't work with him until he was 16 weeks. But I was so desperate. I was locking in my place. Mm -hmm. Um, And we did. And he, we started on a Friday night and by the fourth night, he was sleeping 12 hours and waking up one time a night. And, um, I felt like a new person, like the fog had lifted. I did suffer from postpartum depression. So I got put on medicine for that. So that was a different fog, but the fog of being Mm -hmm. sleep deprived and feeling like a failure as a mother, because that is how I felt went away. Um, That's amazing. That's amazing. What was the first thing that she had you do? Um, the, it was all, the whole plan was all encompassing, but the first thing was teaching him to fall asleep independently. Um, and people automatically think, Oh, cry it out. And to be totally candid with you, I did let him cry it out. That was something that my husband and I felt comfortable doing. Um, we ended, we started out doing checks, but he would get more upset when we went in there. So we just Mm -hmm. quit going in. But that being said, that's not the only way you can teach your child to go to sleep independently. That's the way my husband and I felt comfortable doing it, but that's not the only way you can do it. Um, so learning to fall asleep independently is was such a big thing for him because then he was no longer dependent upon us to put him to sleep. So that was the very first thing that and putting him on a really good schedule. Okay. And like you said, your life just completely changed after that. Yeah, I got confidence as a parent because I didn't feel, I felt like I had asked for help from the right person and that she had given me the help that I needed and the tools that I needed to be confident as a parent. And I outwardly may have looked like to people that didn't know me that I was very confident as a parent, but I wasn't um, because I felt like I was failing my child. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I'm so glad that you said that because I feel like women, especially, you know, I know from my own personal experience, I did this, like you want to appear like you have everything together. This is great. I am a natural mother. You know, I am, you know, complete feminine energy embodied. And the truth is like, it's hard and it's tough and you don't know what you're doing. Like, how could you possibly know? Right. You don't know. And you know, I, I did a post one time on Instagram was like, what did you learn when you went to the hospital for your pre labor class about sleep, safe sleep, like the ABCs of safe sleep. And then like, if you get frustrated with your baby, lay them down on their back and like go outside. Right. But like you, I had no idea like 
how often he should be napping, what time he should go to bed, like what are like sleepy cute, like none of that. And so my mom nursed me until I was 18 months or two years old and she let me sleep in bed with her. So mm-hmm. my mom was super supportive and so was my mother-in-law, but she just let me sleep in bed with her. And that's what worked for her. My dad traveled a lot. Um, but I didn't want that for my life. I didn't want my son in bed with me. And that's not a judgment against people that do. It was, it's just saying that for my life, that's not what I had envisioned for my marriage because my parents were divorced. And I, Mm -hmm. one of the things that's important to me is setting a healthy foundation of a marriage. And I just didn't believe having my son in my bed with me was going to help me be able to accomplish that. Yeah. I think that's huge. I mean, it's going to be different for everybody, how, what they feel comfortable with and what they value most. I mean, that just goes, you know, with the nature of humans, like we're all different. We all value different things. And, you know, it might not have worked with your son too. Like you might have had him in the bed and he might've been wide awake and happy to be with you. And, you know, you just don't know. Like, and that's what I think is really important to, for our listeners to understand too, or just kind of remind them that, you know, every child is completely different. You know, my oldest son was a dream sleeper. Like I thought, you know, I, you know, by the time he was three months, he was on a schedule. I had read all the books, everything was great. And then when I had my second, it was like, it it was a complete and utter disaster. And we did not sleep for two years. And I wish I would have known you earlier. I would have had you on board um, to help me. Yeah. It's, and it was, it's still, even to this day, like sometimes he goes through a little strange period where he doesn't want to sleep. And it's just, it's, it's just different. You know, kids are so different. Um, but when you work with clients, what is, what's your process? Do you do kind of what your coach did for you or do you have your own, um, spin on it? I do very similar, uh, to what my coach did for me, but, um, there are other things that I incorporate everybody. There's other sleep consultants and everybody's style is different. And I always say that, I want to help the people that feel lost in their current sleep situation. So if, the, if you are, you know, doing something that you feel comfortable doing, that's safe, then I am totally on board with that. If that works for you, but the people that I help are at the end of their rope, they don't know how to get their child to sleep. So I help families here locally in the Louisville, Kentucky area, and then also virtually. Right now, I'm working with two families in California and two families here locally. Um, So I have an intake form that they fill out. We do a consult. If they're here locally, I go to their house, and then I work with them for two weeks um, virtually via email, coaching them. They're sending me their schedules, and then I have check-in calls because I think it's really important to get somebody sometimes on the phone. You can communicate via email, but to get somebody on the phone and really hear their voice um, brings back some of that human connection Mm -hmm. that I think technology sometimes takes away from. So um, that's kind of what the process looks like uh, when I work with families. And um, it's one of my favorite, I mean, it's, it's the best to, to take a family from not sleeping and you legitimately get families sometimes that believe that like, this is just the way that it's going to be. They've accepted that this is just the way that they can be. And then in two short weeks, the child is maybe sleeping through the night or maybe sleeping and waking one time a night and they're on a solid nap schedule they, you see that confidence build in those moms, especially. And it makes me feel like I'm paying it forward because once what was once this huge burden in my life has now become this huge blessing in my life. 
Mm-hmm. And I think you see that a lot, you know, the people that have gone through, you know, something really hard and, you know, traumatic, essentially, um, they turn into be the best, the best healers, you know, like they know exactly what someone is going through because they've lived through it and they know exactly how it feels and how hard it is and they can empathize with you. And so I'm, I'm sure that you are, you know, an amazing, amazing coach because you have lived it and you have you know, woken up the next morning or, you know, the sun is coming up and you've had no sleep and you're just like, what is going on? And you can, you can offer that gift to others. And I talk about the nighttime scaries because that's what would happen Mm -hmm. during the day. Um, Max wouldn't sleep. My son wouldn't sleep. And I was, it bothered me, but it wasn't as bad because I knew everybody else was awake. But man, it would start to get dark and the sun would go down. And I felt like everybody else in the world was asleep except for me. And I would be, I would have such anxiety come night because I knew it was going to be this whole long process mm. and I wasn't going to sleep and all of, and so it was just, I called them, I call them the nighttime scaries. No, I feel like, I feel like with DC, my second, I definitely had that. It's almost like this eerie kind of energy that comes over the house and you're just like, you know, what's wrong with me? What's going on? And I, and especially like, um, I felt that when they've gotten sick and you know, it's going to be a long night and you know, you're going to be up and it's like the hours just seem to drag. Yes, that's exactly. Yeah, it's exactly right. And so you just feel like you're the only person in the world. So if that sounds like you, if you have experienced the nighttime scaries, know that there's thousands of other moms out there that are experiencing that same feeling and you're not alone. There's people not sleeping all over the place. Um, So you're not alone in feeling that way. And that doesn't make you a bad mom. It just um, means that you're going through a difficult time in your life. It's a season of your life that's difficult. Yeah, that's such a gift. And I think that's part of the, what got me through, you know, those particularly difficult nights, knowing that God, you know, this is temporary. Well, I hoped it was temporary. You know, I right. hoped he wasn't five or six dealing with this. Um, and I do want to get into more about how you treat preschoolers. Cause I guess, you know, you think of a preschooler, you don't really think of sleeping issues. It's always, you know, the newborn. So can you talk a little bit to that and, and how much you've seen of that? Um, a lot of the problem begins where I hear it is, is that you have a good sleeper and they transition them out of the crib too soon. So you have an 18 month old or a two year old that you transition out of the crib because you think they're ready. Maybe they've climbed out. Maybe you just feel like two years old is the age that you transition them. My son is going to be three in July and he still sleeps in a crib and he still Mm -hmm. sleeps in a sleep sack. Um, because that's a freedom I'm not ready to give him yet because then he can get out of bed if he wants to. So sometimes it begins then. Um, A lot of the problems with preschoolers is their bedtime is too late. Mm. If you have a preschooler, they still need, because they're not napping, 12 hours of sleep. So if they're waking up for the day at seven o'clock, they need to be in bed, lights out at seven o'clock. And the thing about having kids is kids are inconvenient in lots of ways in your life. And parents often, and I'm even guilty of this at times too, expect children to fit into our life instead of adjusting our life to fit their needs. And their needs as a preschooler can be, they need 12 hours of sleep, so they have to go to bed earlier. And it's not always going to be like that, but it can help with bedtime battles, meltdowns later, um, they become chronically overtired. And so then they fight sleep more. 
and it becomes this whole thing. So a lot of the times it's about making sure they're getting enough sleep and moving that bedtime early. Um, That's always a great place to start. And especially working parents fear the early bedtime because they've been at work all day and maybe they don't get home till six or they feel guilt because they're working all day and they don't go home, get home till six. And then their kid has to go to bed and they haven't been able to spend time with them. But I coach them to think of it as quality over quantity. I would much rather spend a half an hour with my son that he's happy and cheerful and we're having a great time than an hour with him where 15 minutes of it is great and 45 minutes of it is this huge battle because it's not enjoyable for anyone. Right. That totally speaks to me because I'm one of those moms that feels insanely guilty. You know, I work full time and I get home and yeah, it's, you know, five thirty, six o'clock and, you know, we're cooking dinner and hanging out and, you know, it's summer now. So they want to be outside. And I'm telling you, mine usually don't get to bed until eight thirty or nine. And I'm I feel that makes me feel even more guilty, but it's it's such a, it's such a balance. It's like, you know, you know, I want them to get the sleep that they need so that their brains can grow and their bodies and everything else. But I also know that, you know, I'm sticking them in daycare all day and, you know, I feel guilty about that. I feel bad about that. And I want to see them and spend time with them. So yeah, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad we're having this conversation because I know that my situation cannot be the only one. I mean, no, you're not the only one at all. And, um, you know, it's, I had meetings yesterday until six o'clock. My son didn't take a nap at daycare, which he has started more and more frequently not taking naps because around three years old is where naps sometimes phase out. Um, and he had to go to bed at seven fifteen. So by the time I got to my mom's house to get him, I had an hour with him yeah. and that, that breaks my heart. But at the same time, this morning when I went in to get him at seven o'clock, he was like, mommy, I closed my eyes and I woke up and it was the morning. And I was (laughs) like, yeah, buddy, it was. And he's so happy because Mm -hmm. he got the sleep that he needs. But the other thing I would say too is if you have your kids on a good sleep schedule, you can practice the 80-20 rule. And I've heard this in health and fitness and other places too. If 80% of the time they're getting the sleep that they need, you're on a really good schedule. The 20% of the time that, that you don't, that it's summer, that it's vacation, that you have something else going on, it's not going to impact that 80% as much. But if we're more 75-25 or yeah, 75-25 or 60-40 or 50-50, um, that can cause more of the challenges that parents often see of bedtime battles in those older preschool kids. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm so glad we're having this conversation because I'm already thinking how I'm going to start implementing this and getting them into bed earlier. Um, 15, 15 minute increments. So if you just move bedtime 15 minutes earlier and then see how they do, and then maybe another 15 minutes earlier. So I don't believe in like going from A to Z. I do it slowly and gradually because it's, it's easier to adjust to that and see how it goes from there. I love that. I love that. Okay. So you give all these awesome coaching tips to these parents that you work with. Has there ever been a time where someone that you're coaching is like, well, I've tried all of these things and nothing's working and, and I just don't know what to do. And if that happens, what do you say to them? Um, not in a situation where I am like, they have paid me and hired me to work one-on-one with them. But I have definitely heard from parents, especially when we get started, because one of the questions on the family intake form is, have you tried other sleep training methods? 
and they'll say, oh, well, we, we tried cry it out and it didn't work. And I'll say, okay, well, tell me what that looks like. What does that look like to you when you say you tried it and it didn't work? And as they begin to explain what they've done, I can see why it didn't work. And so that's not to say that there haven't been times when parents have legitimately followed everything and it didn't work. But I would say for me, eight to nine times out of 10, I can pinpoint when they say we tried this and it didn't work, why it didn't work. Mm -hmm. Because you can teach your child to go to sleep independently, but if they're not on a really good schedule, they're still going to be crying. They're still going to fight sleep. So it's really a two-pronged approach of do they know how to put themselves to sleep so when they wake up in the middle of the night, they can put themselves back to sleep? And are they on an age-appropriate schedule where they're not becoming overtired so sleep is harder to get? Right. That makes sense. So a lot of the times I can already see, so I would say to them, for example, like we tried cry it out and I'm just using this as an example and it didn't work. And I say, okay, well, tell me what that looks like. And they'll say, well, we let him cry for, you know, 15 minutes and we couldn't do it anymore. Mm. So we went in and got him and helped him go to sleep. And so basically what you've taught them is, is that if I cry for 15 minutes, mom and dad will come and get me and help me go to sleep, which is what we've done before. So tomorrow night, if you try to do it again, they're going to cry for that long, if not longer, because they know one time out of a hundred, we did something different. And so I'm going to hold out for that one time out of a hundred. And that's just, that's just one example. I could give you an example with like the chair method, which is a gentler method of like, sitting next to the bed with them while they fall asleep. And then we get in bed with them because they protest so much. This is an older child maybe. And they're used to having mom or dad lay with them. And we're doing the cheer method. They're sitting next to the bed and they're throwing a fit. They're protesting. So mom or dad gets back into the bed with them. And so basically what we've taught is if we throw a fit long enough, we'll get what we want. Right. Completely. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I, I so feel for these parents, you know, because I've been there with my second one, but you're right. I think if you 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 are consistent and you do these practices, everyone's going to benefit. Everyone's going to be happy because of it. Right. And it, consistency is always the key. Um, being 1000% consistent, you will see results that you're looking for. Um, but when I say cry it out, I, I, I want to clarify this for like a younger baby, I don't believe in like laying a baby down and walking out and at night and then not coming back in. I still believe if a child wakes in the middle of the night at certain ages that they need to be fed. Mm-hmm. So that is where maybe my cry it out is different than others is because I still believe in feeding in the middle of the night for young babies. I don't advocate for laying them down and walking out and not going back in to feed them at any point. Yeah, I definitely, I had a friend that just reminded me and he told me that they, they let him cry it out, you know, day three that they were born and they didn't eat the entire night. And then he said, you know, oh, they were sleeping through the night. No problem. And in my heart just, I think I was pregnant at the time with my first. And so when I heard that, I was like internally judging him and thinking, God, you're a terrible monster. And I can't believe you just said that. Um, because you know, it's, it's this little tiny child that's used to being inside of you and, you know, 
continuously comforted. So yeah, that kind of was shocking to me. And I would never, like in that situation, I'd be like, no, we don't cry it out <laughs> until, they're, until they're much older, 16 weeks adjusted age. But there are things that you can do, like newborn parents, that you can do to set a healthy sleep foundation from the be- very beginning. So watching those wake windows as newborns to make sure that they're not awake longer than 45 minutes and we're trying to get them to nap. Um, making sure that once they're like six to eight weeks adjusted age, we start working on drowsy but awake. So getting them to the point that they're drowsy and then laying them down and allowing them to put themselves to sleep or the rest of the way. So there definitely are things that you can do from the very beginning to build that healthy sleep foundation. So at 16 weeks, if you want to do some type of sleep training, it's very gradual So that's not to say, like I said, you can do things from the beginning to build a healthy sleep foundation, um, but I definitely would not say any type of formalized sleep training until they're 16 weeks adjusted age. So no- I love that you said that. No no crying it out at three days old. Right. Right. That's insane. So do you feel like more people are, are outsourcing this kind of help? I mean, I feel like everyone is super busy these days, you know? everyone is working and, and going after the careers and then they also want to have families. So do you think that, you know, sleep training and coaching is becoming a more common thing or do you think that people are still trying to keep up appearances and trying to, you know, put off, put out this happy facade? I think that it's kind of more of a generational thing. I think, and I don't know how old you are. I'm 34 years old. So I, I'm more of the, of the generation or the type of person that is asked for help. If somebody knows how to do something better than I do, I'm going to ask for their help, uh, in any aspect of my life. Um, you know, my parents' generation, my husband's parents' generation, the older generations, uh, probably struggle with that a little bit more. And you definitely, like when I hired our sleep coach, they were like, you hired somebody to do what? Mm -hmm. Um, but it worked for me. And at the time you could have told me to stand on my head and do jumping jacks. And I would have done it if it meant that (laughs) I was, I mean, like, I don't know how I would have done it, but I would have figured it out if I was going to get sleep. So, yeah, I mean, I think that there definitely is a stigma around asking for help in any aspects of your life. And especially sometimes when it comes to parenting or even, you know, if you suffer from postpartum depression, um, there's a stigma around having mental health issues and asking for help or parenting and asking for help because does that mean I'm a bad parent? There's not necessarily a stigma around like asking for help for other medical issues or to lose weight and get a coach or a personal trainer or anything like that. Um, But I still think, you know, there are some people that are prideful or, you know, feel bad asking for help. But my hope is, is that, any person that coaches or is trying to help somebody comes from a place of no judgment. I don't judge any of the families that come to me because I've been in their shoes and that doesn't get anybody anywhere. And I think that sometimes as a culture of moms, they're very judgmental instead of lifting each other up. Like you're judging someone for nursing in public because you wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. Or you're judging somebody for being, having attachment parenting because that's not what you would do. Or you're judging someone for letting their child cry it out because that's not what you would do. Instead of saying, Hey, you know what? That works for you and it's made your life better. It might not be the choice I would make for my family, but I'm so happy for you that that worked for your family. 
Yeah, I think that goes along with, you know, it's kind of like cognitive dissonance, you know, someone's doing something different that, you know, directly conflicts with something that you believe and that has worked for you and you feel comfortable with. And it's almost like, you know, it's challenging to you as a mom. And so I think that's where that, that judgment comes from. It comes from a place of fear and well, maybe I'm not really a a good mom if they're doing it that way. So it is interesting. And I think, you know, at, at the core, it's just us all wanting to, to do right by our children and to be good parents. And so if we can bring it back to that and remember that when we see something that we don't necessarily like or agree with, it, it can kind of open up a dialogue and, and a greater opportunity for understanding and curiosity and ask, you know, I, I often ask people, well, that's interesting. Like, especially when it comes to politics or something like that, well, that's interesting that you think that, why don't you tell me, like, why do you feel that way? And so I just kind of leave space for them. And I end up, you know, having a greater understanding of where they're coming from. And it's like, okay, well, I, A, I still don't agree with you, like not at all, but I understand, you know, how your upbringing got you to that point or, you know, what happened to you in your life got you to that point. Like I understand and I can still appreciate you as a person, even if I don't agree with what you're doing or believing. Everybody gets to parent differently and everybody gets to live their life differently. And I think that, um, you know, everybody's guilty of judgment. And, um, I was at the post office the other day mailing something and there was a woman in there with her two kids and they were just kind of running all over. And I caught myself being like, like lady control your kids. And then I, and then I paused and thought to myself, like, it's easy for me to say, I'm standing here. I don't have my kid. I'm sure my kid has run around places before. And I really try to catch myself in moments like that. And and think to myself, like, try to come from a place of, like, understanding and love and empathy as opposed to judgment. And so in that moment, then I was, I felt like, hey, this, she's trying to do the best she can. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, my mom has always told me, when you know better, you do better. And so I try to operate from a place of that uh, instead of a place of judgment. But I'm not perfect. So, um, you know, it's a work in progress. Well, and I think too, like you bringing in that self-awareness about yourself saying, yep, I I saw myself going down that road and I stopped it. Like that's, you're already so ahead of the game, I think in, in your evolution and in your awakening. I mean, and I think that's why you're such a good coach too, because you have that element in you. I mean, absolutely. So, I mean, what's the biggest takeaway you want our listeners? Because people are tuning in right now because they are either having issues with their children sleeping well, or they're pregnant and they want to be ahead of the game. What's the biggest takeaway you want them to hear from this interview today? First and foremost, I would say if you have a child right now that doesn't sleep, you're not a failure as a parent. This is not your fault. So let go of the guilt that you feel and the judgment you feel towards yourself because it's not going to serve you. And that's really hard as a parent in every aspect of your life to give yourself that grace and let it go. So that more than anything would be the first thing that I would want a parent to hear that had a child that sleep, doesn't sleep. Second thing would be, there are ways to fix it. The way to fix it is look at bedtime, look at helping them to fall asleep independently, look at their schedule. Uh, What does that look like? And then ask for help. And it doesn't necessarily have to be asked for help for me. I mean, I'd be happy to help them. But to the person that you feel most comfortable asking for help for, ask them for help. And if you are an expectant mom or a a mom of a newborn, 
like I said, there are things that you can do to begin that healthy sleep foundation. Um, and be cognizant of those people around you that maybe have kids that don't sleep. If you're a newborn mom or expectant mom that have a kid that sleeps, I think that if we can show empathy towards parents who have kids that don't sleep and, you know, even making the comment of, oh, well, I had a six-week-old and he slept through the night when he was six weeks right. old. That's like not the, helpful. <laughs> no, it's, it's very reminiscent of like being around your friends when you're trying to get pregnant and your friend making a comment that like they went out drinking with their husband and they accidentally got pregnant. And as somebody who is actively trying to get pregnant and would do anything to get pregnant, hearing those comment it, comments is like an, a dagger to the heart because it's not that easy for you. And I think that if we can be mindful of our words, um, that is always a good place to start. I love that. I love that. I mean, that's so true. Anyone listening, whether you're, it's regarding sleep or pregnancy or whatever, you've all, we've all been in that situation where yeah. someone is like, oh yeah, no, no, no. And it's like, oh man, you know, not the case for me. Thanks for bringing that up. Right. So yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, and so now we've come to the portion of the interview where I ask the same question to all my guests. And I always love the answers that I get because they're always so different and varying. Um, but what's something that you've learned in life that you wish someone would have told you earlier on? Um, to give myself grace because I am such an achiever in all areas of my life. And that doesn't mean that I have achieved in all areas of my life. But I, I'm a hard worker and achievement is important to me. And I think that pressure to be an achiever has created stress and worry in my life where it doesn't need to be there. And I think that when my son didn't sleep, if I would have given myself grace and given myself the advice that I just gave in the previous um, answer of saying it's not your fault and there are people that can help you and um, forgive yourself and let go of that because it doesn't serve you. And listen, I am a work in progress in, in what I'm talking about right now. And I actively every day try to do better in that area. But if, if you can give yourself that, it's so freeing because then you don't feel this immense pressure to be perfect. And nobody is perfect. Um, you scroll through social media and you see all these stylized photos and they're aesthetically pleasing and they're dressed and they're styled and they're kids and all of this stuff. But that's a, that's a moment. That is a snapshot in someone's life. And that is not their real everyday 24-7 life. And so give yourself grace. Don't compare yourself to those people. Um, that's the advice that I try to give myself every single day. And some days I feel it and some days I don't. But it's something that I struggle with even every day. Um, and so that would be the thing that I wish that I could do more of and it would encourage more people to do more. I love that. I love that. And I think that that's so important because, you know, everybody's on social media. Everyone's looking at someone they admire and they're like, well, she's perfect and she's got it all together. And it's such bullshit. It's not true. Like you said, like every day is different. There could be a great easy day that you'll have and there could be a day that's filled with stress and struggle. And, and, you know, I love that answer because that's completely, you know, my life too. You know, I, I talk about mindfulness and 
you know, my, the title of my Instagram is motherhood unstressed. I'm all about being Zen and, and building a beautiful life, but there's days where I feel like I'm going crazy and I'll start stressing out about something. And my husband will shout like, Oh, you're such a fake. You're a fraud. You know, you can't, you know, if people only knew and, and it's in that moment, I'm like, Oh, you're right. <laughs> but it is, it's such, it's such a, a, a work of progress. And it's, so I think it's human nature to feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think as long as you keep moving forward and you have, you know, this intention of, of being better than you were the day before, I think you can't go wrong. So I love that answer. And it's even applicable to like, you were talking about your husband being like, you're a fake, you're a fraud when you start to get stressed. (laughs) Well, like over Memorial day weekend, my uh, son didn't take a nap on Sunday. And then on Monday he hurt his toe. And so he cried and refused to take a nap. And I found myself like my palms started to sweat. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Now he's not going to sleep tonight. And here I am. I'm a sleep consultant. People pay me to help their kids sleep. And I am like, now my kid didn't take a nap for two days. And I felt (laughs) that, I felt that anxiety wash over me in the same way I did when he was four months old and didn't sleep. So I got on my Instagram stories and I shared that because that Mm -hmm. was on my heart. And my point in sharing that is, is that you see pictures of him sleeping and you see me talking about schedules and you see all this stuff, but behind the scenes. And while all of that is true, I'm still a mom. I'm still a human. I'm still imperfect. My child is not a robot. He doesn't always sleep. And I feel the anxiety that you all feel just like, you know, when my kid doesn't sleep and I wanted people to know that like, I'm not trying to portray this perfect sleep environment all the time because that's not reality. I love that. I love it. I love it when people kind of like take off the mask and start being really real and authentic. I mean, it just, it lights me up in so many ways. And when I see someone else doing it, it just, it feeds my creativity and it just, you know, it's just, I don't know. It bonds people, you know, it's like, you know what? I get it. And thank you. Thank you for getting me and seeing me. It makes you so much more relatable because anybody can take a stylized portrait in our stylized picture in portrait mode and put it on their Instagram and write this really fabulous caption and like do all of the things that you see people do. But it's uncomfortable to share vulnerabilities in yourself as a parent, as as a spouse, as a person, as a woman, as a business person, of any of those feelings of being vulnerable because it's this what will people think of me mm-hmm. mentality. And what you don't realize is, is that people will empathize because they feel the same way. Right. And it gives them permission to really share as well. And when you do that, I mean, it's healing on so many levels. Yep. That's exactly right. Uh, I love it. I love it. Okay. So if people want to work with you or they want to check you out on social media, um, how can they find you? So they can go to my social media. My Instagram is at get more sleep. And that is M O O R E like my last name. And then on Facebook, uh, you can search more sleep pediatric sleep consultant and find me. And my website is getmoresleep.com. Um, and even if you have a kid that sleeps, I would encourage you to, you know, follow along on social media and share your opinion, share your thoughts, share your experiences. I post all kinds of information on there about sleep and there might be something minor you can tweak. The other thing that I do is I do Facebook lives. I try to do them, um, three times a month, uh, on a different topic or a Q and a, and I always encourage people 
even if you're not the person, if your child sleeps, share the information because you don't know, just like with postpartum depression or mental health or whatever, who is suffering in silence and they feel shame by saying, my kid doesn't sleep because that's always the first question new moms get asked. Oh, really? How's he sleeping? Mm-hmm. And so maybe you don't want to say he's not sleeping. So share the information because it might touch someone's life that you didn't even know that they were struggling and then they can reach out anonymously and never have to tell somebody. But I think that it's important to make that information available to people and just lend a hand to people because you don't know who it's going to impact. And like I said, who's suffering in silence. That's so true. And I think a lot of the times it's the people that would really surprise you. Yes. Yeah. Because a lot, I mean, even still, there's probably people that know me and don't necessarily know my stories. And they'd be like, Maggie's kid didn't sleep. I mean, if you know me really well, you would know that. But even at the time, because I felt, like I said, ashamed about it. And like I had done something wrong as a parent. And so you don't want to admit when you've done something wrong as a parent, because that's when people really get judgy for parenting makes people very judgy. (laughs) Yep. Absolutely agree with that. You have to have tough skin. Yep. That's right. Well, I'm so glad that you took the time to to be on the show today. I think people are going to get a lot of benefit out of this. And then when they follow you on social media, you know, with all that information that you have put out and continue to put out, I think you're going to be changing lives. So thank you. Thank you. If I can change one life, then I feel like I have paid it forward immensely. And, um, That's really just my goal. And thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed having this conversation with you and um, I really appreciate it. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. I am so thankful that you're here. And if you're new, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here too. Um, This is an amazing community. And every week that goes by, it grows and grows and grows, which I'm so excited about. And I want to keep bringing you amazing content. So please don't hesitate to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This helps so much with the show's ratings and just bringing more awareness to the show. Um, And that's what it's all about. You know, it's about building this community of like-minded people who want to make the world a better place, who want to make their lives better and their families' lives better. So please don't hesitate to leave me a review and we'll keep this going. Love you guys. This episode is sponsored by Organifi. Organifi offers completely non-GMO organic superfood blends that makes incorporating really good nutrition into your diet insanely easy. You literally do not have an excuse not to get your fruits and veggies anymore because they've done all the work for you. And if you use the code unstressed, you will receive 15% off your purchase at OrganifiShop.com. This episode is also sponsored by Sunday Scaries. These are the CBD gummies that are amazing for stress, anxiety. If you just want to feel a little more energized or regain your focus without all of that background chatter in your mind that's not serving you, use the code UNSTRESS for 10% off your purchase at 4SundaySCARIES. Lastly, this episode is sponsored by Four Sigmatic. If this is a company you haven't heard of, believe me, in the next year or two, you will. They are doing amazing things in the world of medicinal mushrooms. Uh, right now, I'm kind of obsessed with their hot cacao with reishi, which is something I'll drink before bed every night. And it's just so relaxing, so calming and so good for you. So it's kind of a no brainer. Also, if you love coffee, but you hate the way it makes you feel like jittery, stressed, just not well, then they have a ton of uh, mushroom blends for coffee. Uh, They also have a really good matcha. So go to foursigmatic.com and use the code unstressed to save 15% off.